As if someone who has never seen an actual boob was attempting to depict the shape of a boob. To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress, the hate of men will pass and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people. Because history has shown us that courage can be contagious. And hope can take on a life of its own. I will bring you hope, and I ask only one thing in return. We move now, together. Not at all. Hope is not lost today. It is found. Hope is what keeps you going. Even if the whole world is telling you to move, it's your duty to plant yourself like a tree, look them in the eye and say no. You move. Welcome to the Skiffy and Fanty Show, Torture Cinema. Joe, eat your body in space. <laughs> Why? It's true. <laughs> I'm Ted. <laughs> I'm Paul. I'm Alex. And I'm Elizabeth. Yay, Elizabeth! Elizabeth is becoming an official member of the team because now she has the pleasure of being on Torture Cinema. And tonight we are discussing Joey in Space, otherwise known as Lost in Space. 1998, not to be confused with the other many fine Lost in Space offerings. Yes, like the new one. Although it is very appropriate that we are doing this the same month that Netflix decides to air the new series Lost in Space so that we can make sure that we are up to date on our Lost in Space viewings before heading into a much, much better show. It's got to be. It's really got to be. It's not really a high bar. You're right. (laughs) Uh, I mean, well... Since it won't have Major Joey from Friends, you're right. It can't possibly be as bad as this movie. <laughs> but, but we're going to save that for when we're actually talking about License to Slice. We should probably exactly. discuss, like, what we're drinking and what the movie is about first, huh? Excellent. Sounds like a plan. Alex, why don't you go first? Um, so I am drinking a cup of hot chocolate. See, I already, I already pre-gamed a little because I, I went and had tacos with, um the editor of Shimmer, and had a beer. And uh, anyway, so now I'm having a cup of hot chocolate with a very healthy amount of coffee liqueur in it. Mmm, yummy. Mm-hmm. Paul, how about you? I I needed some joy and happy somewhere because of the 14 inches of snow and having to watch Lost in Space. So I'm having a nice... A nice classic Iron Horse root beer, which is one of the best root beers you can, which is made in the state of Minnesota. So, so which of those things is actually worse, the movie or the fourteen inches of snow? Um, <laughs> if I had to be pinned down, <laughs> since I spent an hour trying to dig my car out so I could get out tomorrow, I think the movie is slightly better. But don't hold me to that. The movie was pretty damn awful. <laughs> Ah, very true. Elizabeth, how is your day drinking over in Australia going? (laughs) Yeah, it's the middle of a Monday here, Um, so I am drinking Darjeeling Earl Grey tea, which is one of my favourites. It sounds perfect for somehow trying to survive this film, to be perfectly honest. You need something relaxing so that you don't go into instant rage. Indeed. And I also bought this particular blend on the same trip that I met Paul, so I thought it was appropriate as well. 
That is perfect. That's the very nice little circle of life there. And listeners should know that the name of Elizabeth's personal blog is Earl Grey Editing. So it brings it all together. That's true. All right. I believe I'm next. So I am drinking Henry's Hard Soda, the orange flavored version. I was hoping for something like Zima. I figured that was somehow really appropriate for a late 90s film that's this awful and poppy. Unfortunately, my husband couldn't find that. Uh, Mike's Hard Lemonade, that also would have been appropriate. Something, you know, just a little bit cheesy. That was kind of what I was going for. But Henry's Hard Soda is a much more delicious option. So I'm quite satisfied with my beverage of choice for the evening. It is a low alcohol version, so I will be drinking copious amounts of it. And that's me. I feel like if we were going to find a beer that this terrible movie actually deserved, I mean, we'd be talking like, you know, what's the skunkiest thing? Like, I mean, like lower than PBR, like worse (laughs) than PBR. I'm just trying to remember, like, I bought this this big can once just so that I could boil brats in it, and it was 99 cents for a giant can of beer. That's probably about, like, the, the classiness range we're looking at. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I feel like people who drink Fat Tire would probably also enjoy this movie, though. <sighs> Don't hate me, Colorado. Oh, my God. Did you just fucking dish New Belgium? Because we are going to, like, okay, I'm, like, throwing my shit down. I will be at your house in an hour, bitch. Be ready. (laughs) Before Alex murders me, why don't we have Elizabeth tell us what Lost in Space from 1998 is about? All right. Well, I'll do my best. So it's set in the future. I think it's around, what, 2058 or something? The Earth is um, suffering from the effects of pollution and ozone depletion. So Professor John Robinson decides to go on a mission with his family to see if they can find another planet for uh, the population of Earth to be settled on. However, launch doesn't go quite to plan because the uh, ship is sabotaged by Gary Oldman playing a doctor. So he sabotages the, the... onboard robot to try and kill the Robinsons. And they defeat the robot, but they're going to crash into the sun, so they um, oh, they do a hyperspace jump or something like that and end up in a completely new part of space that they've never seen before. Come across a another ship, which they um, can't get a response from, so they go on board, as you do, and are attacked by some spiders, some space spiders, which causes them to flee And after that, I'm a little hazy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is where everybody gets a little bit hazy because it, they crash on a planet. There's a new time bubble. They go through the time bubble and it turns out that Will has been there and everybody else is dead, but he's with Dr. Smith, who is now a giant spider person and they're trying to travel back through time, but... It's Dr. Smith, so he's still evil, and Will kills him or something. I don't know. And then they just poof off somewhere else, and stuff happens. But that's the end of the movie, thank God. 
It's like the most anticlimactic sort of non-resolved ending, which is appropriate. It's clearly meant as a sequel hook. Yes. Yeah. Which they didn't make, thank the gods. <laughs> thank the gods. <laughs> and I appreciate you finishing that that summary because you'll even notice, like, guys, I was so mad when I was watching this movie. I wrote a Twitter thread about how mad I was. And then about the time they were, like, on the planet, I just lost the plot entirely. And I basically sat there for the last however many 17 hours and just played Candy Crush. <laughs> 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 I appreciate you getting me up to speed. You missed one of the most rage-inducing aspects of this movie uh, by doing that. So good for you. Um, I'm going to share that during the dislikes portion. Does it have to do with Major Joey from Friends? No, no honestly. <laughs> oh. Shockingly. Shockingly. Well, well, no, he actually was the most rage-inducing portion of this entire movie. I think we can just kind of get it out of the way that literally everybody that ever watches this film should hate Major Joey. It's a given. It's a given. Like, you guys are just going to have to come up with different dislikes other than Major oh, Joey. Oh, I have plenty of dislikes for this one. I didn't, <laughs> exactly. I didn't need to put that Major Joey. <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's just shooting fish in a barrel to go on him. <laughs> exactly. So I have a different one. I mean, I feel like... Major Joey from Friends is kind of like a shortcut for the Voight-Kampf test. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you're human, you will hate him. Oh, no. I think that's accurate. I think that should just be the new test. Yeah. And his dialogue. I mean, <laughs> Oh, my God. It was awful. I think we should go over how awful that is. We'll just do it as a kind of group dislike of how awful Joey is when we get to our disliked portion. Okay. I was going to say we might want to explain really quick that we call him Major Joey from Friends because he's Major something or other who's played by the guy who played Joey from Friends and the movie would have been so much better if it had just been Joey from Friends, the character in the movie. I mean, he really was just Joey from Friends, but like the worst version of him. Like, like the gross dude bro. Like, if, if Joey from Friends was a gamer gator, he probably would have been this guy. Yes! The, um, the actor's name is Matt LeBlanc. There we go. Thank you. But why don't we get into our likes first? Uh, we are going to let Elizabeth go first because we are very kind people. Kind and generous. <laughs> so, Elizabeth, your like. Okay, I'm, I'm going to take a, a bit of a different track than one might expect um and being australian this is probably quite appropriate space spiders <laughs> i like space spiders <laughs> um and particularly i liked the way like they're they're all over the ship that they find and and that's fine what i liked though is um them traversing space itself to jump from one trip to a uh, ship to the other um, I quite liked that, and I felt that it kind of it was it was very spidery. They even used techno babble to explain why they can exist in the vacuum of space, which was more than I expected out of this movie. But at least they had one second, one line of techno babble to explain why they could do that, which which is more than I was expecting. Uh, Ma Maureen Johnson, so yeah, they have adamantium shells, and they don't they they don't respire, so they can survive in the vacuum of space. So they're basically mini wolverines. And, and they're silicon-based, so yeah. So pretty much cyborg spiders in space. 
I mean, I, I will agree with you on the spiders because it led to like two. So I'm going to have a hell of a time finding an actual like now, but it led to my two <laughs> favorite things about this movie, which was first off, if you watch it with the subtitles on, there is an, there is a moment when the subtitles read spiders roaring. <laughs> <laughs> magic. That's better dialogue than the rest of right? the film. <laughs> and then um, the other great moment is they go onto this stupid ship without any kind of helmets on and that sent my housemate who has a microbiology degree off on a rant the likes of which I haven't heard since she saw Prometheus. (laughs) (laughs) Okay then though the new TV series is way 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 better than this movie she'll probably still be very angry at the people in the new TV series just just as a warning. I am sure, like, anytime, anywhere in a movie, they're like, let's go to a place where we've never been before that could have foreign, that could have contaminants in it and not wear our helmets. It'll be fine. And she just, like, loses her shit. And it's in every damn movie. Yep. They had the helmets and the daughter says, oh, there's no sign of anything and there's oxygen. So that's why they turned off the helmets. And I was thinking, like, oh, my God, it's just like Prometheus. Yeah, like, there's no sign of anything other than these weird, bubbling, squirming pustules on the the skin of the, like, the bulkheads. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Which that's... looked about the same quality as special effects in the original Star Trek, might I add. Yeah, that plant we had those those things that looked like little melted pancakes hang sticking on stuff. Right? I, I swear there's an episode. There is. That's the one where, where, where they have to blind spot temporarily to uh to get him off yes oh yeah where, where it's like they're they're like flying plastic vomits what? like yes. plastic novelty what? vomits yes <laughs> precisely ah that's amazing that they really just didn't improve special effects between the original star trek and the 1998 version of lost in space i mean it's only been 30 something years but that was the best they could come up with so but still spiders spiders were cool Yes. Cyborg space spiders are cool. Except for the spider doctor, he was not cool. No, he was not cool. Uh, if these spiders had been in any other movie, I would have, I might have actually been afraid of them even, but. <laughs> All right. Who's next? Alec, why don't you go next? Okay. So I will say that since I can no longer say spiders roaring is my like, um, I'm actually going to say I really, really liked whoever the hell did the voice of the robot and especially the part where he was going destroy 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 like that i mean it was so cheesy and he just sounded like he was having such a good time and he was having so much more fun yelling destroy than i was having watching the movie (laughs) oh alec took my life ha you know why is it the original voice actor it is (gasps) oh my god Okay, I thought so. Because they had a lot of nods to the original series, which was really cool. Dick Kufeld is the voice of the robot from the original series and the voice in this movie. And you took my like, Alec! So Dick Tufeld is my is my like. Well, and, and Karina was like, man, the robot's voice sounds kind of smug. And I was like, I'd totally be smug if I was going to destroy these assholes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, and, and, you know, I feel this kinship because I'm always narrating everything that I do as I'm doing it, like... Making tea, drinking tea, carrying teacup to dryer or uh, dish rack, dumping tea on stupid human, destroy, destroy. (laughs) Oh, brilliant. (laughs) 
Yeah, the, the robot was was very cool. It was a very nice new interpretation of robot. So why don't we go to you, Paul? What was your like other than the robot? Sadly, robot in general and, and the voice of the robot was my first one. But I'm going to go with the absolute ham and cheese that is Gary Oldman in this movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he knew what kind of movie he was in. He and he decided, I'm going to have a huge, giant ham and cheese sandwich running through this film. And that's even before he turns into a spider creature. Before a future version of him turns into a spider creature shows up. I mean, it's like, I mean, he, he gets down the whole overinflated vocabulary and arrogance of the original Dr. Smith character very well. He, he gets his manipulativeness. He gets his charisma, I guess, for lack of a better word. He's just like rampages through screen and poor, and the rest of this cast just cannot stand up to him. And they kind of, kind of know, not not Joey, not poor William Hurt, who seems to be sleepwalking through this darn film. Although I might be taking someone's dislike for that. Not not the person they had, Maureen Johnson, or any of the kids, or future Will. Gary Oldman knew he was the most engaged actor on set here, and he decided to go for it in in all possible ways. And, I mean, he he gets betrayed. He gets he he gets thrown in gets thrown in prison. He connives. He twists. He was delightful, actually. He really was. Um, interesting. I was trying to figure out. So, Fifth Element, which is like him becoming like the ultimate ham and cheese character because he was absolutely brilliant in the Fifth Element. Which came out in 97, shockingly. I'm curious how much overlap or how closely the productions of these two films occurred. Because, like, the character he plays in Fifth Element is just the extra over-the-top version of the Dr. Smith character in Lost in Space. Oh, actually, I'm not sure I quite agree with you there. I didn't think Gary Oldman was any more over the top in Fifth Element. I feel like that the rest of the movie just matched him better. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That, that, that movie is all over the top, so he's he he fits into the whole aesthetic here. There's a weird creepy earnestness to most of the characters, whereas he's decided I'm in a parody movie and I'm going to go for it even if no one else realizes that. I do disagree about one thing going to my like which is, I think Will, the kid version, was actually pretty good, considering, I don't know how old he was when he was in this film, but pretty young. And he was by far the standout character compared to the rest of the family, and actor compared to the rest of the family, which is really kind of sad, considering the fact that you have William Hurt in this film. Late era William Hurt is some ambulant through a lot of things. I mean, if you ever watch the Dune miniseries, it's He's not in for it for very long, and he's he's more wooden than my IKEA table here. So, <laughs> <laughs> ah, exactly. Uh, but Will was pretty delightful, and and though the character of Will is always kind of the focus of the Lost in Space series in a lot of ways, he did a good job of of his interactions with the robot of being both a child, but still an incredibly intelligent child that's just trying to, you know, get his father to pay attention to him. He actually managed to strike, and this is the only one of the few places that dialogue actually worked for me for him. 
was that even though some character choices made no sense, and my God, the fact that he trusted Dr. Smith at all at any point in time was like, what the fuck? No. Yeah. But other than that, he they did a good job of striking a balance between being a kid and just trying to maneuver yourself through a family of, you know, three other kids, two of which are much older than you, and being a super genius. Um, and they didn't go over the top with the super genius part, like his interactions with the robot, the fact that he gets to voice the robot and be the robot. That was a very cool scene when he's doing the VR and beating up the, the cyborg spiders. Yep, that worked, worked, that worked for me. Yeah, it was it was a cool scene. Um, uh, but that that was about it. <laughs> I don't think I liked literally anything else about this movie. <laughs> Uh, but that's all our likes, which clearly was a pretty short section because there's just not much to like about this. So now we're going to go into the dislikes. But first, I'm going to let Alex go on a rant first about how atrocious Major Joey really is. Oh my god. I mean, I don't even know where to start because you can tell that when they were writing him, they were like, this guy's like... The ace pilot man's man who women adore and da-da-da-da. And he, like, from the second he fucking appears on the screen and has this really weird yet homophobic flirting with his fellow pilot as they're, like, piloting around and quipping at each other. Like, there is literally nothing that this character ever says that isn't some kind of grossly inappropriate sexual innuendo. And we're talking even when he's like, you know, I he, there's been a disaster and I just saved everyone's life. Hey, lady, want to kiss? I mean, it's like so, so, he's so gross and disgusting. And like, he spends like his entire time fucking creeping on Judy and just basically being like, hey, how do you like me now? How do you like me now? How do you like me now? Want to kiss? Want to make out? Hey, how do you like me now? Until he fucking wears her down, which, like, I was so angry at the the end of this movie, where she's like, kisses him on the cheek. Uh, mm. Oh, God, yes. The Valerian approach. Oh, God, yes, yes, Elizabeth, exactly. The Valerian approach and just as nauseous. Yes! Oh, my God, he really is just, like, a total fuckboy, just like Valerian. And ugh, I just, I'm just, like, you know, angry grunting. Although, at least Valerian never said something like, that's a cold fish I would like to thaw. Which is one of the most disgusting lines that I think I've actually ever seen in a movie. Because most of the time in a movie, they really push back. Like, even in some of the worst films, if somebody says something like that, you're like, well, you're clearly the shittiest person in this movie. And like, the Mm -hmm. villain, right? And you're going to die. This movie doesn't do that. He gets away with every... Judy kind of, sort of, goes, eh, I'm not interested in you, but all while, like, batting her eyelashes at him, which is one of the most bizarre things. Yeah. If nothing else, okay, there's this moment where um, Dr. Smith is really, like, patronizing and demeaning to Penny and calls her, he calls her, like, precious or something. And it's gross. And and that does not even approach how gross Major Joey from Friends is in every scene he's in. It's, ugh. I mean, it's like you know, I, I was I was saying on Twitter, I, this movie is posing the question, you know, if 
there's a sexy woman in a movie and there's no man or creepy man around to sexually harass her. Is she still sexy? Oh God, he's just the worst. And every minute he was on the screen, I was like, this guy is a total slime ball. And yet everything in the movie is trying to tell you to like him because he's the daring pilot. Actually, I have a query about that because his makeup made him look like he could be a villain. Like he looked like he hadn't slept in a month. <laughs> and like his like he his eye makeup looked dark and it looked villainish. They had some very confused messaging with the looks, but then again, like the costumes in this were just kind of bad overall. So oh my god, yeah, we, we'll get to the costumes. I know this. That's Jen's favorite. Uh, no, no, no. It, this this time that that's that's actually not going to be. So if somebody wants to take it, but uh, I did have a problem with the fact that they were all basically wearing diapers at a certain point in the movie. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> like it was just an entire outfit of like diaper. I it was very weird, and I couldn't handle it. I couldn't. I could not even look at Joey. That's <sighs> actually just what his butt looks like. <laughs> you just never notice in friends because he spends a lot of time sitting on a couch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. You're welcome. Uh, okay. Uh, now that we've vomited a little bit, does anybody else want to uh, complain about Joey for any longer? Or have we made it completely clear? <laughs> I think we've made it clear to our listeners that, yes, Major Joey is awful. Awful. He almost ruins the character of Don West. I mean, like, for this film, he completely ruins the character of Don West, but I don't remember hating him in the original series. Uh, certainly, like, his new iteration in the new television show is is really actually quite fantastic, because he's supposed to have some sort of swagger and arrogance, but they turned that into creep. All right, though. Dislikes. Elizabeth. Lay it on him. All right, well, we've already touched on this one a bit, but I guess we can go to town now, and that is the dialogue was terrible. So bad. So bad. Um, the one, one of the lines that got me was, I don't like the sound of that sound. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's like, I could not believe I was hearing those here. It's like, I had to rewind. Like, they just actually say that? Yes, they did. Although there was also um, this cold war just turned hot. That made no sense whatsoever. Like, what What was that even? <laughs> In fact, that whole opening scene was just horrendous. It, 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 it felt like the uh, beginning of Revenge of the Sith. Although it's a few years earlier then. Let's, let's have a video game fighting opening sequence it's like oh my god i, I have like bad flashbacks to prevent this is like this is terrible this is horrible what what am i watching so what's this to do with lost in space we get the home we get uh joey doing the homophobic dialogue it's like i know it's supposed to establish him as an ace pilot but yeah like what huh the thing that shocked me about the dialogue in this is the person who wrote this dialogue is a man named Akiva Goldsman. Uh, he is also responsible for Batman and Robin. Oh, God. Batman Forever. Oh, God. But he's also responsible, directly after this, his next film that he wrote was A Beautiful Mind. Wait, what? Uh, but, right? But, uh, 
brain not engaging, please reboot. What? Well, you know, there there's the belief that everyone has at least like one great novel in them, and so maybe he had like his one great screenplay. I don't know. Hopefully he at least learned his lesson. Maybe Lost in Space was his chance to get out all of the really awful, awful dialogue that he had floating around in his brain. And that's what allowed him to write A Beautiful Mind. It it doesn't help that the dialogue was so badly delivered. And I mean, I mean, Gary Oldman does his best, but everyone else, it's like, it takes, takes the cheesy dialogue and can't really do anything with it. William Hurt telling Maureen Johnson, I love you white in the most flattest turn, flattest tones ever. It's like, what is this even? Wow. Have you two met each other? <laughs> but there was one good line though, which was, are you two done spraying testosterone all over the floor? Which I was like, well, I'm glad somebody said it. Yeah. I mean, Maureen Johnson, yeah, that those are one moment of actually, showing depth and range as a character like wow <laughs> otherwise she's pretty much yeah not doing much in the whole movie i mean she she, she does talk the two of them down which is nice but other than that yeah nothing to do yeah i think they really should have just killed john robinson and don west i think this would have been a much better movie that would have been great alex what is your dislike i'm sure you have many of them so um i'm just you know since i already had my I, I already expended a lot of my ire on the Major Joey from Friends issue. The 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 boob armor <laughs> I mean it's a small thing, but it's like when you're going on a hike and there's a little but very sharp pebble in your hiking boot. You know, after a while it just gets really painful and makes you upset. And and that's kind of how I felt about like they so they put everybody in these jumpsuits. Which is fine. It's a space movie. There's going to be jumpsuits. It's inevitable because apparently that's what everyone wears in the future. It's cool. But inexplicably, all of all of the female characters, they they instead of making it kind of like like a regular shirt piece where, you know, it would be like one smooth thing down the front, they kind of had like like boob seams like around the, you know, around the boobs so they kind of like highlighted the boobs and just for extra inappropriateness they put one of these on the 13 year old which was just like why i mean why any of this but but what the fuck was wrong with the costume designer for this movie i i think it might have been okay except that they shaped the boobs kind of like those those hand puppets yes it, it's it's basically if, as if someone who has never seen an actual boob was attempting to depict the shape of a boob. <laughs> who had only heard them from descriptions from, like, people on 4chan. <laughs> oh, wow! Well, to be fair, they did the same for the guy's pecs, and that didn't work either. Yeah. I mean, I felt like the, the pec armor was a little less egregious because, I don't know, to me it looked like sort of standard, you know, armor breastplate where we're trying to make it look like the dudes are buff because the actors didn't have it in their contract that they actually had to be that buff so they weren't. I can't really think of a single place where there was actually what I would consider good costume design anywhere in this movie, but the the boob armor was just the worst and it was annoying. If uh kids are dressing like Penny does, what where have we gone wrong? 
because it was so dated in like the 90s. She looked more like clueless in space. She did, but she did have nice boots. No, the, the sense I got when she was doing like her video diaries and stuff, I got the sense of iCarly in space. To say one thing in defense of Penny, I like that in a movie that came out in 1998, she was basically vlogging. So she was kind of ahead of the curve there. And that was pretty cool. But yeah, like everything else, like what the fuck were they putting her in? In a movie that's supposed to be science fiction, that seemed like the one like, oh, that's cool. I wonder if we'll have that in the future. <laughs> All right, Paul. Can you narrow it down? Can I narrow it down? Oh God, I I could go on a two-hour rant about what I'm going to rant about. This how the world. How, so I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm just going to blather it all out for all and sundry. This world that we depict in this movie makes absolutely, positively zero sense. No one has any idea how to world build their way out of a paper bag. Let's start right from the beginning. With with that opening scene with Major Joey shooting down terrorists that have spacecraft in 2058. Okay, so they're they're okay, so we have terrorists that have spacecraft. Then we saw but no, the terrorists that we have a cold war with that's turned hot. Wait, what? So are we actually talking about so this this they call it the uh Global sedition. So is it a country? Is it a terrorist group? Is it a League of Nations? What the hell is global sedition and what are they doing? Then, I, I mean, I paid attention to the dialogue way too much in this movie because they kept throwing <laughs> expedition at it. And I'm just going to tear it to pieces. Okay, so then they talk about, okay, so we have to build this hyper... We're going to build this hyperspace ring so that when the ship gets to, uh, gets to uh, Alpha Prime, they can build the gate there so then we can have a hyperspace gate between there and here. Okay. But we have to do this quick because Global Sedition is building a hyperspace gate too. And if Global Sedition is building a hyperspace gate, it would be in orbit and we would see it and what well, why don't you let just like destroy it? Problem solved. If you could turn a Cold War hot, so what the hell is really like I don't think they could really decide on the nature of their anyway. I know we and so Global Sedition's uh, faceless, white, middle-aged bankers who pay Glary Omen, is that what Global Sedition's really all about? But then they seem to be, like, genetically modified, like, because they called them Gentex or something? Yes, exactly. So it's like, so what? What? what is Global Sedition and what, what, I mean, are they environmentist death cults? It's like, because the Earth is dying and we all know that and... Well, at least it's at least worse than it's supposed to be because we have recycling technology, but the recycling technology came too late, as uh, Will Robinson tells Major West. So we can't save the Earth, so we need to build this gate so that we can basically, I guess, evacuate the Earth to Alpha Prime. Now, okay, so now it gets better. So let's think about this. It's 2058. We have the, we have this ship here. It's going to take ten years. To get to Alpha Prime, where we already have a colony. They've mentioned that. There's a colony there. They're just sending them there to help build the colony up so we can build the gates to send it through. So when did they actually send this colony? And so you're sending a ship with one family? That seems a really stupid way to spend your resources. Wouldn't you send a whole set of scientists, technicians supplies, the whole works. Why would you send one family to go travel to 
Alpha Prime to help this colony there get get to build its gate so that you can make this hyperspace gate link to make instantaneous travel between the stars. Especially um, because it seemed like they were reluctant to send the family, but it was a condition of the professor. So were they going to send John Robinson alone? John Robinson and three other people? I mean, on a billions of dollars spacecraft, you just have one family? Like, and, but but let's let's consider this, this even gets worse because because this makes because without this you wouldn't even have a movie. Okay, so this ship is going to travel slower than light for ten years to get to this colony because they mentioned they can't use the hyperdrive because the hyperdrive can only work where but with the gate. So why do you have a hyperdrive on this ship at all? Right? That was bothering me so much. Like, okay, just call it the MacGuffin drive. Like you don't need you don't need it. I mean, you obviously have a you obviously have a drive that's capable of getting an appreciable fraction of light speed to get this ship to somewhere in ten years. I'm thinking Alpha Prime is probably Alpha Centauri, although they mentioned all the way because I can't figure out figure where ten years they could actually get to some place that might have a habitable planet. I mean there's a few Barnard Star, maybe. I Alpha Centauri seems the most likely candidate for for that. So why would you have this hyperdrive on in the first place if you can't even use it? Because it doesn't look like they're coming back. They're going to this colony. They're going to help it build the gate so then they can have the hyperspace link between the planets. So why have a hyperspace drive on this thing at all? Look, Paul, there's a reason they needed that recycling technology to work, because clearly the human race is incredibly wasteful of resources. Oh, yeah. Yes, it is. And here's another thing. OK, so OK, so we, we see at the beginning we have space stations. We're building the guilt in space. So why didn't you build the Jupiter 2 in space so you wouldn't have to launch it from Earth? I mean, you, you have this gigantic thing that they launch from Earth with the boosters. The boosters fall away and you have the smaller ship. You would have saved them. And they, they talk about they're running out of fossil fuels and everything. So why wouldn't you build it in space so you don't actually have to do all that? I mean, yes, you have to do that. So, so uh, Professor... Explosions, so Dr. Paul. So, and Explosions. Also, and also so Dr. Smith could get on the bloody thing and sabotage it. But still, it's like, if you got all the construction technology we've already seen in space, why would you not build it there and save yourself a hell of a lot of trouble? Why, 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 why? <laughs> I love how much thought you put into this, Paul. I could go on for hours. I know. Like, that's the first, what, that's, 15 minutes of the movie? That's the first 15 minutes of the movie. I, I mean. There's an hour and 45 minutes left that makes equally no sense. I'm going to go for one last thing. I'm going to skip through most of most of and go to the, let's go to the ending, kids. So. Okay, so okay, so we've seen, so you have a time machine, and so instead of actually following your actual original idea and going back to stop the mission, which would be smart, that's a that's a really clever use. I was expecting that's where this movie was going to go. I've never seen this movie before. I was thinking, okay, so they're going to go back and they're going to stop the mission. It'll be a nice time loop that makes perfect sense. But no, we go back. So so older will turns it so that. So that uh, so that the captain uh, doctor can go to the ship, which we already seen explode. So he so they won't explode. So, but how are we going to avoid that? 
we will go through the planet. And I'm thinking, oh my god, it's the core again. I'm thinking- Yep, that's exactly what I thought! I had to tag Alex, because I was like, Alex, you need to tell me. I don't think this is how geology works. <laughs> this is not how, it's not how geology I mean, works. I, I will say as a professional geologist, no, that's not how geology works. <laughs> Thank but you. at that point, like, I don't know. At that point, I was too numb to care. I was just like, <laughs> just let it be over. Oh. <laughs> Can they get hit by a rock and die again? I liked that part. At least the spaceship did not look like a giant dildo like it did in the core. That's something <laughs> going for it. <laughs> it's so, so... So we can't escape the earth. We can't escape this planet's gravity going up. So we're going to go down and through if they had any. I mean, okay, so they go through the center of the planet. They're coming out on the other side. I mean, it's basically not how gravity works. It's not how gravity works. It's not how gravity works. You're not going to escape the planet going that way either. You're going to get caught (laughs) and you're going to die. No, 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 no. I'm thinking, oh, my God, it's. All the worst science fiction movies I've ever seen wrapped into one. <laughs> <laughs> this movie made no sense. It broke my brain. I had to go watch something else with time travel to get scrubbed out because movies... I was I was, I was hoping for a nice time travel loop and I got... The time travel here is barely MacGuffin. No, it's. It, I think they go back in time five minutes. Yeah, that's all they do in the end. I, I mean, that can work, see Galaxy Quest, but that actually made that work. The Omega-13, but yeah, here, no. Oh, God. This mo- I hated, hated the world building. Hated, 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 hated. It, it's deserving of your hate, because it's fucking awful. <laughs> One of the things that I think this film did capture is uh, the fact that the original series was basically the family, you know, things fucking up. And them going into new and equally absurd sort of situations. And they mashed that into a two-hour film. So you have the whole weird spaceship with the spiders and Glorp. Still not sure why Glorp exists, but whatever if Glorp exists. Oh, God. Fuck Glorp. (laughs) (laughs) And then they, they crash on a new planet and they have to figure their way out of that one. And presumably if there was a sequel, it would just be another series of, of things getting fucked up because they're all completely incompetent, not in the original series, but in this movie. Uh, and, and that's, that's what the Robinsons do. That's what Lost in Space is. So, I mean, in that sense, <laughs> it worked. Um, I actually have, uh, push back on that. I don't think they're all completely incompetent. I think all the men they're completely incompetent. <laughs> the women all get sidelined. Very true. So so they download they download the star map from the Proteus. And again, here here's the deal. I mean they they as you know, they take and throw away. So we get this spaceship that apparently went out after them. Which makes no sense. Like why are you building this gigantic spaceship to go after after the ship that disappeared? Yeah, it was a bigger spaceship with, like, a longer-term colony aspect to it. Yeah, and so you sent this following, following, uh, the Lost Space. Not to mention, okay, so, from the perspective of Earth, what we see is we see the ship rise up, and we see the ship go into the sun. Anybody reasonable would think, oh my god, they had an accident, they're in the sun, they're dead, the end. Because that's what they do, they go through the sun. Why would they even think to look for them? Because nobody would expect them to have survived that. Because Don West would have gone looking for him, and he will too. 
Where? In the sun! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was... God, I really wish they just had burned up in the sun. It would have been a much shorter movie. Well, they should have had some serious retina damage after their close encounter anyway. At least the movie Sunshine, which I don't like, at least get that one. And yet, somehow, they can all see, and then... Horrible things could happen, like Judy kissing Don West. And, oh, oh and, no, bad, no, and, bad. And Dr. Smith some, still surviving, despite the fact that clearly somebody should freaking kill that guy. And also think about this for the non-existent sequel, huh? Oh, okay, okay, break away. So, th- so, so Dr. Smith got stabbed by the spider thing. And so in the, in the one timeline, he mutates into a spider creature. In... In the final, t- no explanation. That, but so in the final timeline, I mean, he's still been stabbed. I mean, we didn't undo that. So in the future, in this, in the non-existent sequel, thank God, there will never be a sequel to this. He's still going to mutate into a spider creature. Well, hopefully by by that point, they they've realized he's going to mutate into a spider creature, and maybe they can stop it because Judy's a genius, even though she's sidelined. I'm sorry, that was a long, long, long rant. That was a completely valid rant that I think needed to be said about this film because it is some of the worst world building. Paul, you and I last month just saw Event Horizon. I, I, I mean, there are problems with what you do in Event Horizon, but it's it, it, it at least puts some more thought into it than this thing. Exactly. So much more thought. There was no thought in this movie. None whatsoever. So my dislike... I said was kind of a personal one because uh, there are many, 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 many things to dislike about this movie, as we have said previously. But something happened in the final scenes that I I was suffering. In the whole time loop thingamajiggy where they go into a bubble, I don't know why bubbles exist, that time is somehow 30 years in the future or 20 years in the future, not even sure how far it is. But they go through it and they meet the older Will Robinson. Who is played by the amazing Jared Harris. I don't know if you guys know who Jared Harris is. He is currently playing Damien Dawes. Is it Damien Dawes, I think? Anderson Dawes. Sorry. On The Expanse. Absolutely fantastic actor. He was on Mad Men for years and that's when I fell in love with him. Uh, He's been, he's just a great character actor. He was Moriarty in the Robert Downey Jr. version of um, Sherlock Holmes. And I think he was also in Fringe. Yeah, David Robert Jones was his character on Fringe. Fantastic. He's just done some really good stuff over the years. This man has a fantastic voice. It's this kind of grumbling, um, I think he's British, fantastic accent, just great voice. He's an excellent actor. The older Will is played nominally by Jared Harris. But you can't tell because they dubbed his voice with, like, a prepubescent boy that is not actually Will, the character from the movie, the little boy that's playing him, but some other random prepubescent boy. So it's Jared Harris, who's this amazing actor with this, like, weirdly childlike American accent, and you can barely recognize him through it. Why would you use Jared Harris, who is an amazing actor, and then not actually let him do his own acting? Because the problem with dubbing, which is, you know, I'm uh, one of those horrible, pretentious people that only likes my anime in the original voice actors. Um, 
is that you lose something when you're not allowing a good actor to actually do the voice portion. It loses all the nuance. And there was something almost touching about what has happened to Will Robinson, right? He he has daddy issues in the beginning, and his dad disappeared, and he has to exist for 20 years with Dr. Smith raising him. And he goes through that story, and he has a moment of connection with his father, and then he sacrifices himself, and it's all this what could be epic, cool stuff. But with some random actor who wasn't even there on set, just like dubbing in the voice and not even that well. And I just couldn't handle it. I honestly couldn't handle it. I was like, why Why did this, why did they do these things? I, I think I know why. But was it just because of the accent? I think so. I, I Because if, you, if he's doing his regular voice and regular accent, getting from young Will to him would not make any sense. It only makes sense in the sense that Dr. Smith has a, an English accent and ostensibly is the person, is the man who raises him even because all the women get killed. I, I think I think Will's a little too old at this point to pick up a, an English accent. Though. He is, probably. And yet, why hire Jared Harris? Well, well, well yeah, well, that, that is, that's a failure of castings. Like, once you've hired him, it's like, okay, he doesn't sound right, so... We have to we have to dub it to make sure so people will uh, be able to connect him with the original kid so that when you first see him and he talks then you can make the connection orally rather than the day before it actually you make the sense logically because if he's just talking it British accent you're not going to make that mental connection that fast. Right. And and I get that aspect of it, but it was just so off-putting. And I think there was also this, the same thing kind of was happening with Gary Oldman, who presumably was doing the voice of himself as the spider creature, but it was very distorted um, and not in a way that made any sense for him being a spider creature, but just randomly distorted. So it didn't actually quite sound like Gary Oldman. And which was another kind of like, why would you, why would you do that? It's Gary Oldman. Yeah, He's fantastic. And, and he has multiple accents. I mean, we mentioned the fifth element before. He, he, he sounds like an American in the fifth element. He's, so he can do a different accent. You could do, you could just let him sound spidery on his own rather than have to post-process it. But, you know. Which would have been amazing. I'm sure, I'm sure you would have rose to the challenge. He was eating the ham and cheese in this movie anyway. I'm sure he would have done it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And they also did a weird thing that it didn't even look like they were using his face for the giant spider creature would. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was getting bad flashbacks to uh, the lawnmower man there when I, we saw his face. Oh, God. It, lo- it, look, it, look like it's, it looks like it looks like uh, his face. And his terrible CGI body. Yeah. I, I, I totally I totally flashback. Oh, my God. As I said, they put in a lot of crappy movies into this movie. I was not kidding. <laughs> Well, and, oh God, what was it like? Remember when they they go into hyperspace and there's this weird incongruous like trying to do the 360 pan and oh God, what was shot? that? <laughs> what was that? But though, I mean, you know, what confuses me even more is the Matrix didn't come out till 1999, so I don't know if these guys were actually ahead of the curve, but you'll notice it's called the Matrix shot and not the Lost in Space shot because <laughs> if if they were using that technique, it was 
which I, I thought the Wachowskis like developed for that for the Matrix. Yes. And and it was like so totally wasted on what they used it for. Like Yeah. Alright. So it's that time of the evening when we get to our final thought and our grades. Elizabeth. Oh, I don't know. Um, it was pretty terrible. But is it like the worst film I've ever seen? I don't know. It's got to be up there. Um, I I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna go with a D. Um, I was just gonna say I watched this with my partner, and he he's got quite terrible taste in movies. Um, he hated this more than he hated the Lawnmower Man. <laughs> Wow. Woo. Yeah, he really, really hated this movie. We're going to have to have him on at some point. Be like, so tell us, what did make <laughs> this movie worse than The Lawnmower Man? Because that's saying something. That Because that is something special. I should also note that its Rotten Tomato score is about on par with The Room. I mean, granted, Rotten Tomatoes has... The uh, first uh, Sharknado at like 87, 89% or something like that. Wow, so, really? Like, yeah. So in one sense, I don't trust Rotten Tomatoes anymore. In another sense, um, as Mike once brilliantly called it, Sharknado is the apotheosis of bad cinema. So uh, it, it actually holds up as something awful that it's supposed to be awful. And I don't think Lost in Space or Lawnmower Man were supposed to be awful. They just have. I mean, when when people aren't trying to game Rotten Tomatoes, I think it's actually normally a, a pretty good indication of of how well the movie does at being the kind of movie it seems to want to be. Exactly. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Hence Sharknado at like 87, 89% yeah, or whatever Because everyone is. was like, man, that movie, bad movie, the shit out of the bad movie genre. Yeah. Like, It knows what it wants to do. It goes for it. Precisely. All right, Alex, final thoughts and your grade. Okay, well, since Lawnmower Man got brought up, I gotta say, like, you know, if a gun got held to my head and I was told I could watch either this or Lawnmower Man again, as much as I fucking hate Major Joey from Friends and the creepy boob armor and so many other things about this movie, I would totally watch this before I watched Lawnmower Man again, because holy shit. You know, at least this one, if nothing else, did not have the the profligate use of the R word and... Oh, you know, Pierce Brosnan's ungroomed chest thatch. (laughs) (laughs) Just, oh, this is taking me back to a bad place, guys. (laughs) Sorry, Alex. All right, so your grade then. So I'm going to say my grade on this is going to be a D. Excellent choice. All right, Paul, final thoughts and your grade. I mean, as much as I hated the world building in this movie. I have to agree with Alex if someone put a gun to my head and watched The Lawnmower Man or Lost in Space. I I have to pick Lost in Space because The Lawnmower Man um, sapped, uh, sapped will and life out of me while this just made me rage. And not, not, not to mention it, I mean, and as I, as I said, it's like, is this worse than 14 Inches of Snow? No! It, because because shoveling us snow is a pain in the butt, but yeah, it's pretty dang awful, and no listener should even want to listen. Don't go watching this. Go see the new series. I'm going to go watch the new series at some point. It's got to be better than this. 
I think a D is nice, solid grade. I I agree with my compatriot. D it is. Excellent. All right. And I cannot disagree with any of you. I believe a D is a completely fair score for this film. Uh, at least it had the robot. They had 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 the robot. The robot looked cool. Exactly. And I did appreciate, um, because I watched some of Lost to Space, not a ton of it, and I don't actually, I don't remember a lot of it, but I did watch uh, the original series of Lost in Space, and I really, really appreciated the fact that at least this movie took the time to cast some of the original actors from the original TV series. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, I was not viscerally angry at this film like I have been at some of the torture cinemas over the year because, as Alex said, I mean, it it wasn't just offensive on a base level of like- It wasn't mazes and monsters. Right. It wasn't mazes and monsters. (laughs) Um, Even though Joey is creepy and disgusting and the sexism kind of inherent in that character was gross and awful- uh, and it's rewarded at the end of the movie, that somehow, because of the fact that you still had uh, three female characters who are all scientists, that was still enough of a pushback against that sexism that I was like, okay, I can handle I can handle him, at least. So, yeah, I think a, a D is a nice, solid grade for this movie. And for once, we don't even have to calculate the average. Nope, it's straight T. That's yeah, no no math no earth acquired for our listener. Our decision is unanimous. A D it is. <laughs> a D it is. So thank you all for joining me on this lovely episode of Torture Cinema. I appreciate it, Elizabeth, Alex, and Paul. You're welcome, citizen. <laughs> and thank you, listeners, for joining us on another fantastic episode of Torture Cinema. Join us next time as we watch something that is hopefully slightly less awful than this movie, but probably won't be. Wouldn't count on it. Wouldn't count on it. And with that awkward ending... Spiders roaring. Spiders <laughs> Thank you for listening to the show. If you'd like to support us, you can find us at patreon.com slash skiffyandfanty. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so at our email at skiffyandfanty at gmail.com, on Twitter at skiffyandfanty, and on Facebook at the Skiffy and Fanty Show. Our intro and outro music comes from Dimension by Creo. You can find out more about them at freemusicarchive.org.